Hello, Dr. Herbert Leather. I, I think I need to come back for another session. Yes, welcome back, Paul. It's good to see you again. Hello, Dr. Uh, Hello, Dr. Hibler. Hello, Dr. Herbler. Hello, Dr. Herbler. Hello, Dr. Herbler. No, it's not. I'm not doing this. I'm only going to deal with one universe, Paul, and not all these other multiversal Pauls. No. Welcome to the fantastic return of DC OCD, the DC Events Podcast, where we're looking at every single DC event from Crisis on Infinite Earths to, well, we've gotten up to Death Metal from 2020. So, yeah, this is quite an event, and we're coming back. We've had a, a probably a year off or something. I, I can't remember how long it was, but it was some amount of time, which was significant because I was able to read Death Metal. Uh, but today... <laughs> You can hear the sounds of laughter coming from Mr. Mike Garvey. Hello, everyone. And Laurel Phillips. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for having me back, Paul. I appreciate it. I I feel like I didn't give enough detail when we did Blackest Night. I was really worried about spoilers. And today, man, that all goes away. (laughs) Spoil the heck out of it. Listener beware. Excellent. Yeah, we're looking at Death Metal, which was uh, it's it's probably the follow-up to Metal, Dark Knight's Metal, uh, Knights with No K. Um, this one, it's once again piloted by Scott Snyder with Greg Capullo on art, uh, but uh, there are a lot of tie-in uh, specials in this case. But um, we also need to talk about the lead-up to it, so... Um, Pretty much, well, I mean, DC basically said, we're doing something called Year of the Villain, which was literally a year of um, Lex Luthor being uh, morphed into a half-Martian evil person and uh, giving villains a, a leg up in their quest to be evil, so slightly more power, so uh, echoes of uh, Underworld Unleashed. And then it all sort of culminated with... Uh, well, uh, we're familiar with the Batman Who Laughs because he is all over this event, Um yeah, and then some. <laughs> so, so uh, to concentrate on the rest of the writing, there's a lot by James Tinian the Fourth. There's a lot by Joshua Williamson. Uh, there's a lot by Peter Tomasi, and there's a lot by lots of other people who sort of contribute lots of little bits here and there in the specials. So we get you know, Mark Wade and people like that. Jonathan Glapian helped out with the art with everything that uh, Greg Capullo was doing, and it was all edited on the whole by Mari Javens and Katie Cubert. Uh, which does represent a bit of a change at DC, which uh, and the changes kept rolling because uh, while this event happened, there was a lot of um, very significant changes editorially at DC. So uh, Dan DiDio mm. uh, was shown the door, um, and a lot of plans that were coming out of this event sort of got uh, altered. But uh, we may never know the full extent of how that altering happened. But uh, yeah, so. If you, I mean, there's many ways to look at the pre, uh, the prelude for this. So you could look at it as um, everything from Year and the Villain, and uh, everything from Justice League, the the comic, and a few other things. And if you do that, you get 166 chapters, which um, <laughs> we decided not to read all of those. <laughs> mm. Mm. 
But uh, many of them, I will say, they are like uh, Lex Luthor shows up and says, "Hey, do you want to be more evil to someone?" And they go, "Yeah, hell yes!" And um, yeah, and then they become more evil. They fight the hero for a while, and then that story is over. Um, so that's pretty much rinse and repeat but there were lots of specials to show hey this is how this person is evil and some of them were good and some of them were okay and some of them were not good um but yeah we will focus on well all right now then you've got the there's seven main issues of death metal but uh there's 17 extra specials that sort of tie into that and uh, some issues around that so yeah it's it's uh, quantifying all this is uh, <laughs> look it up <laughs> if you have de- <laughs> just read everything it'll yeah. be fine start with metal read just the keep whole going line. what the heck yeah. <laughs> we just start with crisis on infinite earth and go forward <laughs> yes so but i did ask laurel if she would very kindly uh summarize the the main miniseries and um uh, i think she did that in a bit more so laurel do you want to kick that off all right Perpetua, creator of the multiverse, is using crisis power, doom energy based on selfishness and greed, to destroy the universe that doesn't fall in line with her plans to create a multiverse of ultimate predators. Imbued with anti-crisis energy, powered by justice, the Justice League tried to fight her and lost. However, the battle left Perpetua low on power, so she turned to the Batman who laughs to provide her with power from the Dark Multiverse. In return, he's given control over Earth-Zero, making it a world that matches his dark whims. After being forced to act as a jailer, Wonder Woman decides the time is right to fight back after an anti-crisis-infused Wally West enters her prison. She creates an invisible chainsaw of justice, and yes, you heard that correctly, a chainsaw of justice, and kills the Batman who laughs. However, the Batman who laughs arranged for his brain to be placed in a Dr. Manhattan version of himself, becoming even more powerful. With an undead Batman wielding a Black Lantern ring and a Superman partly corrupted by anti-life energy, Wonder Woman frees the other heroes. They construct a plan to disrupt the energy going to Perpetua while gathering their own crisis energy to further empower Wally through the Mobius chair. Unfortunately, the Batman who laughs has reprogrammed the Mobius chair and all that energy flows into him. He now becomes the one who laughs, being capable of fighting Perpetua herself. Things seem lost until a humbled Lex Luthor provides Wonder Woman with plans to create a machine in the Forge of Worlds. The machine would allow everyone to connect with the truth, with the ideas that unite people through memory and history, reminding us we are small but part of one epic story. The ensuing Antichrist energy would make her strong enough to face the one who laughs. The remaining heroes destabilize the planet in an attempt to cut off the energy flooding into the one who laughs. He, in turn, sends an army of dark Batmen to battle for the planet. Wonder Woman reaches the Forge of Worlds, but she, unfortunately, lost the plans to one of the dark multiverse minions. She doesn't know what to do. Meanwhile, the one who laughs finally destroys Perpetua. Now able to create a multiverse for himself, he no longer needs Earth-Zero and sends a new flood of alternate versions for all our heroes 
to kill them all. At the Forge of Worlds, Wonder Woman, a seeker of truth, dips her lasso into the molten energy of the Forge, imbuing her with power. She rises as a giant golden goddess, finally able to fight the one who laughs. But the one who laughs warns her, others of Perpetua's race, the Hands, are coming to destroy this multiverse. She must empower him in order to kill them first. Wonder Woman chooses to believe in hope, hope for a better world no matter what, and pushes the one who laughs into the collapsed sun at the end of the universe. She awakens in a white void. One of the hands tells her she inspired them not to destroy this multiverse. Instead, they're going to allow all history and stories to be remembered and allow the multiverse to exist without borders, a new experiment. However, Wonder Woman must ascend to protect the new reality. They walk off into the light. Back on Earth, all has been put right, and the world partays. Later, Barry brings Wally to a newly constructed satellite called the Totality, a place to watch and study this new multiverse. Already, they have discovered Earth Zero is no longer the center of the multiverse. Much is changing. And that is Death Metal. Bless you for that, Laurel, because that, may, that makes a lot more sense than what I read. <laughs> yeah, I, I was uh, reading this and thinking it's like someone you know played a pinball machine for four four days and then wrote down what happened <laughs> as far as the plot. But uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, definitely like this much better than you guys. I can already tell. <laughs> wow. Okay, that that was very comprehensive and that actually explained it in a way that I actually understood because I I had no idea what happened to Wonder Woman when she uh, you know became large and golden and I was like uh, she did something <laughs> yeah okay okay well, well she was yeah that machine was supposed to give her the power of truth in order to unite everybody's good energy that's the way I read it yeah and so she had the lasso of truth therefore she could draw it off and I love how she arises with the chainsaw still that just <laughs> seems to be a pet object I don't understand that one I suppose it looks cool. I don't well, know. I'm no expert, but chainsaws are very, very dangerous, and I, it's the last thing you'd want to be invisible <laughs> if you were wielding one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. So let's go. What were the big bits, the, the big deals, the bits, moments that made you go, wow, and things like that? So, uh, Mike, do you want to start and tell me what were your favorite moments? My favorite moments? Um uh, look, the, one of the big deals for me was just how large this event was. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got the seven main issues, but then all the tie-ins, and I don't know whether I'm out of practice with events or I've just not dealt with events that are that this big before, but there was a lot going on. This just felt gigantic. Um, so maybe I'm a bit out of practice. I don't know, but the, that for me was um, a big a big deal. Um Things are, I found that I was liking things in it the, f the the further along I got in the the overall story because I read um basically I read the seventeen issues that were the, the seventeen extra issues and the the seven main issues of of death metal so I, I was reading a lot of stuff and I, I I just found I was enjoying it more the closer we got towards the end <laughs> um, so things like um, I think my favourite overall uh, issue in the whole thing was the last stories of the DC Universe, where basically everyone's sort of 
almost saying their farewells and, and you know, um, getting things off their chest before the big final fight. Uh, we had a, a really cool story with the Titans called Together, which kind of went through the whole history of the Titans and where they were at at this point in time. Uh, the Bat family were in a story called We Fight for Love, which I really enjoyed. Um, there was a Superman story where basically he kept traveling back in time to make it uh, so that there were lots of him flying around the earth and, and helping everyone. And there was a green arrow and black canary story in there that I really enjoyed the heck out of. And even an Aquaman story by Christopher Sabella, which was like the least Christopher Sabella thing I'd ever read. I didn't realize it was him until I read the credits. Um, so that was probably my favorite issue overall. But yeah, this was just, this story was just gigantic and there was so much going on that I think I got a bit distracted from the main story which was a bit of a big deal for me. Did you guys feel the same? Well, I made the mistake of reading it all close together mm. and felt like some of those themes start to hit you over the head. That I will will have to say. Because mm. yeah. we're reading this condensed instead of over the course of months. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, thank goodness that we've got the, uh, the DCU Infinite app out here in Australia now because, yeah, I, I basically sat down and, and, yeah, was reading it all in one go. And... The other thing I found interesting is that <laughs> there would be like, here is a bad thing that is happening. Here are the heroes trying to figure out how to deal with it. Oh, and look, here's an even worse thing that's come along. And it just <laughs> felt like the bad stuff was getting ramped up and up and up. And uh, like the the story with uh, all the flashes uh, racing around together um, and the, the one who laughs was chasing after him. Or, yeah, was he the one? Yeah, he'd become mm-hmm. the one who laughs by that point and he was chasing them and he kind of overheard what their plans were and he was like gaining on them all this time and then he was like aha here's another trick for you and he brings out all these dead you know evil flashes who laugh i guess we'll call them (laughs) that started chasing after them as well and i was just like oh my god come on can we just can I, i just felt like no one was getting a break um and it got to the point where i felt it was getting silly just how the the extreme evilness um, of it was just ramping up all the time. And yeah, it was, there was a lot going on in this one. So Laurel, what moments really stood out to you? Well, um, I think that I especially love that it's a Wonder Woman story. The, the main story. What I did was I read all this stuff and then I went back and read just the main series a second time through because I wanted to, you know, talk about it maybe a little bit more than some of the other stuff, because I consider, you know, one shots are possibly extraneous, but on this event, maybe not so much. And we can talk about if that was a problem or not. But Wonder Woman being the focus, she's not just the the embodiment of hope in this. She's the field general. I mean, they were like bringing plans to her to ask, well, should we do this or that? And she's assigning people teams. And I've never seen her in an event take over like that. Um, I particularly love the look that they gave her, this like barbarian cape with the shoulders and the hair color. And she had this yeah. regal crown thing. And then when she took it off, she looked so much more approachable. It was a good effect. I thought I loved that it was Wonder Woman's story. You don't see that in these big events. And then the character moments, you do get them. But like you're saying, they're in the one shots, which is a problem. The mm. Superboy Prime one, I think, was a really good oh. example. I, I thought they made him sympathetic. I didn't think you could possibly make him sympathetic. 
<laughs> like I said, the drawback, like you were saying, the flashes are in a book and the Green Lanterns are in a book. And we never do find out where the magic users are, like what, what happened to them or anything. And then I don't mind the Batman who laughs that badly. I don't know why it just doesn't drive me completely up the wall. I mean, he sort of acts like a god anyway. So if you're going to make him one, fine, whatever. He always seemed like one anyway. What I didn't like was the addition of this Robin King. It was just a clone (laughs) of him. And I'm like, okay, one of him I, I can do, but not two. That was just way too much. So those, those are my big comments about this big widescreen summer blockbuster kind of event. Mm. Yeah, I I was not a huge fan of the Robin King, but I will uh, say that I thought Riley Rosmo was a really good choice for that Robin King one shot. Um, just his his chaotic frenetic um, art style I thought was suited really well to that character. But yeah, that Robin King, oh my gosh, he's <laughs> he's so overjoyed that his utility belt has something to deal with every single hero, which is kind of clever, but. The way he's so chipper and, and happy about, hey, I'm going to kill you, and he's how. I was like, oh my gosh, can we can we not? <laughs> Some of it reminded me of when I was a young child and you would play action figures with someone. And, you know, you'd say, well, my character does this, and you'd kind of try and base it in reality. And they're going, well, my character pulls out a black hole and sucks the, you know, your character to death. And you go, What? <laughs> How does that happen? But, yeah, there was a lot of that with the Batman who laughed. Like, he was always ahead of them. Even when he died, it was like, ha-ha, it's part of my plan that I die because now I'm the one who laughs. And you go, oh, come on. And, um, yeah, the first half of this was a bit rough as that, uh, you know, every single plan always came to naught. And that wasn't just the heroes. It was people like Lex Luthor, too, because he was like, I'm going to take you on. And he's going, oh, I'm going to beat you. And then the Batman who laughs, going, I'm going to do this to you, Lex Luthor, so you're dead. And you go, oh. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, you had to get used to watching heroes lose quite a lot. Mm. Um, and for that reason, I think one of the moments that I actually really enjoyed, and sadly, it is a Batman moment, which isn't you know uncommon in events in the last ten years. But um, where Batman's basically dead, but he's using the Black Lantern ring to keep himself going, and. Um, They've just had this massive battle, and the one who laughs has decimated all the heroes, and they're all dead. And then he rips off Batman's arm, which has the ring, and says, Haha, now I've got the ring. And then Batman says, You think I'd keep my ring in such an obvious spot? Uh, which makes you wonder where the ring is. Uh, <laughs> but then <laughs> Batman raises all the dead heroes to fight for him suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that sort of thing is also the problem with this is because so many, you know, terrible things are happening that you go, well, this is all reversible at some point. Otherwise, there's nothing left. Um, so th- I found that, you know, this extreme uh, mass death of everyone was basically working against the tension of it all because you're going, well, you know, this can't stick because um, there's no one left if that's the case. Did you think there was a little bit too much goofiness tossed in, like when they had that like Batman dinosaur thing and they're like, you can't be, you know, you can't throw (laughs) batarangs or whatever. And I'm like, you're totally breaking the tension. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of the things we liked about the other one was the baby dark side. But we, the audience, are like, oh, my gosh, what are you? This is crazy, you know. But this one, he had to point to it and say, no, look at this. No, look at this. You know, and I thought. Yeah, you should just throw it in the background or, you know, there it is and let us as the audience react. 
Mm. Yeah, I, there was a little bit of highlighting absurdity at, at times. Uh, I don't, I don't mind that, but I, I thought the balance was way off on the. You know, there was so much relentless, um, you know, losing going on for so long that mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. just wanted the heroes to turn the tide and actually have one of their plans not be something that was already anticipated and already um, doomed to fail. Um, and that really happened all the way through until Wonder Woman, you know, uh, supercharged herself. So, mm. Mm. let's talk about what came out of this because uh, it was um, pretty seismic. And uh, basically, at the end of this, the the heroes all you know stagger around alive and say, "Ah, oh, looks like it's an infinite frontier coming." <laughs> Great mark. <laughs> <laughs> High five. Um, so basically, yeah, there, there were big plans to come out of this and change. Uh, originally, I believe it was something like the one year later where they were going to jump ahead and show the future of the DC Universe a bit with uh, a lot of um, passing the torch to a next generation. Um, and then that plan sort of got unwound a bit and then re <laughs> reactivated so you know I believe it was Dan DiDio, uh editor-in-chief's plan to have you know a new new wave of heroes and a leap forward um, as far as the passing the torch but they sort of tried to do a little bit of both after this so there was you know there was a new Wonder Girl there was uh, Wonder Woman was sort of off on her own doing um you know, afterlife adventures for a while. Um, Superboy, uh, you know, the son of Kal-El became the new Superman as Superman goes off to War World and things like that. So, yeah, what what did you think of the the post um, changes at the end of this, Laurel? Well, to me, I think this set up a lot of things and it allowed like continuity. So any story in the past is in play now. You mm. don't have to feel like this is a guilty pleasure over here because I liked whatever this other story was and it's not in continuity anymore. Now you can like it and it, it is part of the DC universe somewhere, somehow. So I'm glad that it did that. But um, one of the things I put against this one is because this just sets up the next event, the future state, because I don't feel like it, this is just sort of the launch for that. And that's where the real changes start to come. And the introductions of the characters goes crazy. And we start getting changes to the primary universe. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Um, what about you, Mike? I think for what we had to go through with death metal, I think I enjoy the, this stuff that came after it a bit more. I enjoyed the generation shattered and forge, one shot. I thought Future State was an interesting experiment because, yeah, I think I think they were with the deal around. They were going to launch the whole 5G line or sort of retell the history up to the new 5G point with the new heroes taking over. And I think Future State, like you said, was kind of a mix between not doing that and doing that and kind of trying out different heroes um, under the the monikers, or different characters under the monikers. Um, so I enjoyed that. For, for what it was, and I, I'm really enjoying the current Infinite Frontier era that we're in. In that, yeah, every story mattered, every story counts. Um, and I just remember when Infinite Frontier um, era launched, it it seemed like there was hope back in the DCU. I think we had to get through all the bad stuff to get through 
this new interesting point in time we're at. So, yeah, I've enjoyed the stuff that's come out after Death Metal much more than Death Metal itself. So, you know, bumpy ride to get where we are today. Yeah, I think there's also been a, a creative um, changeover at DC at this point. So, th- I mean, this was really um, Scott Snyder's last hurrah with the DC Universe um, for now. Mm. But um, basically, he's like, this is the ultimate big story that I've got to tell. And um, at this point, he sort of moved off to do some more um, creator-owned stuff. And a lot of new voices got a chance to say, you know, to work on DC books at this point. Um, mm. And... I think the void that was left by uh, Mr. Snyder's departure has been filled by James Tinian taking over Batman and um, actually doing some pretty good stuff with Batman at this point. And uh, Joshua Williamson sort of carrying the ball of eventiness, uh, you know, further down yeah. the field. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, we've had people like um, Becky Clune and Michael Conrad taking over Wonder Woman. We've had Philip K. Johnson on... Uh, on the Superman action comics line, uh, Brian Bendis sort of ended his stuff shortly after this. Um, Jeremy Adams on the Flash uh, has been a fabulous changeover there. So you know, lots of good stuff sort of came out. And Dan Didio gone, Mari Javens took over as editor in chief, um, and I think that's been a really energising change for everything as well. Because um, it wasn't really, it didn't feel like the same old, same old as far as the publishing plans after that. Uh, but I mean you could look at all this on a meta scale that uh, you know this story is really about how there's too many Batman books in publishing and they sort of overtake everything and wipe everything out and we need to uh, lesser heroes who aren't Batman need a chance to shine which is sort of making Mm. Wonder Woman the focus (laughs) you know and perhaps you know some of the evil in this was actually you know a representation of the editorial directions that were you know even the name (laughs) I went there you sure did wow you mean there might be too many Batman in this (laughs) yeah and Batman always you know wins which is uh, what happens for all of it but um, even the name Perpetua just, you know, invokes keeping things going, you know, relentlessly. Mm. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. if you defeat Perpetua, you don't have to keep things going. You can change things. And Yeah, I don't know. You know, I always wondered why they named her that. That was really good insight. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I it, it, it was huge. This was huge. Yes. Anyway, we, we might play a promo and then we'll get into our scoring. To confront the ultimate killers, I must construct the ultimate alias. Hey, who is that lady? I think she could fly. To combat the murderers who destroy my family, crush my own life on their way to consuming everything, I must become a greater, more fearsome destroyer. Hey, mess my kill this lady. To track down the animals who prey on the innocent, I must stalk them first. I am no longer their quarry. I am the Huntress. You can listen to the Huntress Podcast online at thehuntresspodcast.com, at Apple Podcasts. Go to Twitter at Huntress Podcast. And again, this shares a feed with the Bad Girl Cassandra Kane Podcast. 
Cheers. And now it's the part of the show where we score this event. And the way we score this event, in, if you've forgotten or you've never listened before, is uh, we have four types of uh, categories for an event. And they are eventiness, how, you know, how eventful is it? We are going to score the writing, we're going to score the art and the covers, and then we're going to look at the impact and legacy of it all. And uh, we'll give each of those a score out of ten. And one of us will be the semi-OCD who gets their scores halved, which will give us a total out of 100, uh, if my maths is correct. And Mike, I believe you volunteered to be the semi on this one. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. We we previously discussed this, Paul. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Remember, I I volunteered you, remember? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what happened. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Laurel, do you want to talk about the eventiness first and tell us your score? All right. I came up with a score of eight for eventiness. There are all these leading books. I really like the Justice League book, by the way. I almost liked it better than, than some of the, the rest of the event. But you figure they've got all this co- coordinated lead-in. So you had that. You've got 19 oversized issues. That's a lot of investment. So to me, that many issues reads as, yeah, this is a big event. On the other hand, once you get past, once this event actually officially starts as death metal it's self-contained so that's why i bumped this back a little bit despite the number of issues involved simply because you know there's that tension between how much do they keep self-contained and not interrupt all the books that are ongoing and how much do they involve those books to make the event so i i came up with an eight and mike what about you i also gave it an eight um because yeah this this was huge and and yeah uh we, we've had all this lead-in stuff, um, and, and like you, Laura, I, I've been reading uh, this or well, that Justice League run as well, and I enjoyed it. And I kind of, you know, enjoyed um, the Justice League tie-in issues in the middle of this, their their doom metal story. Uh, so, but I kind of took a point or two off because I thought it was almost too big an event, and it was kind of like so much going on, and so many tired issues just to try and make sense of what was happening. Um, so yeah, I, I, I thought eight was a fair score. Yeah, I, well, I'm also uh, doing an eight. So, uh, but I actually think it was uh, really tightly plotted. Like once the event started, like the flow between the tired issues and where they're placed is actually really good. And editorial, it's quite a feat that someone's gone, okay, we're going to have this main issue and then we'll have this book which has five stories in it and all of them will sort of flow really well and happen at a logical point. So that was quite impressive. Um, And the eventiness itself of this, it it really does tie into Crisis on Infinite Earths and Final Crisis. They literally go back to three of the other crises in in this and, you know, revisit them and find that uh, they've been changed and exploited by the one who laughs. So... uh, yeah, it really is very grounded in a, in the events of the DC universe. Now, what I didn't find grounded particularly was uh, the the emotional um, you know people on the ground. Like this is the the furthest you can get from a street level story. I mean, there's there's a point where people are literally well, people gods are literally smashing planets into each other's faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And maybe they were universes, not planets. I don't know. Oh, well, or <laughs> punching themselves from the back of time to the to the end of time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a little crazy. Yeah, so I, I think it went a little too far, which is why I'm going to give it an eight because I, I thought the the eventiness 
it got ridiculously eventy as far as rather than you know delightfully eventy <laughs> but your mileage may vary <laughs> all right mike what what about the writing where does this go oh jeez i'm going to give the writing a 6 because overall i didn't really enjoy the story that much i thought it was a little bit all over the place because they were trying to throw so many cool, hardcore, extreme things into the pot all at once. Um, and I found it a really bumpy and frustrating read. Uh, and I can't recall rolling my eyes as much during an event as I did trying to read this. Uh, you know, just, and, and partly because, oh, the darkness stuff is getting ramped up and up and up and up and up. And it's like, oh my God, come on. Um, and I, I just found that really frustrating. And I found I enjoyed a few spots here and there, as I said, later in the series. And I don't know if that was just because uh, the, it, it, I think part of my mind was like, you're almost at the end, Mike, you can do it or not. Um, but yeah, just, I, I just didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned them revisiting previous crises because that sort of thing where previous stories are rehashed and reintroduced into a story you're currently reading drives me nuts. I, I would rather they like mention it briefly as something that contributed to where we are today, but don't focus on it so much that they have to dive right into it. That's something that drew me maybe mad, crazy about, and not in a good way, about Avengers Endgame, where they went and did the time heist. They went back to all those previous points like, come on, no, we've seen all that take the story forward a different way damn you um so yeah i, I found um uh, it was like odd things like the there was a fee index story in the multiverse who laughs one shot with john henry irons aka still just like random little bits that were away from the main story i kind of enjoyed a bit more and and i think that's why i enjoyed um the last stories of the dcu because it gave us some reprieve from all the heavy metal darkness going on and how evil are these guys um and there was the rise of the new god one shot i found really frustrating because they introduced this character called chronicler and i thought oh okay who's this is he going to do something to maybe guide us out through the madness and no he went nowhere and did nothing really uh, well he did stuff in the story but i'll leave that for people to read they brought back and, and Laurel, yes, they kind of did make Superboy Prime, um, you know. Uh, that he was. How's that? Yeah, yeah, sure, yes. <laughs> but still, Superboy Prime. Oh, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> crisis from now on until forever. We're going to have Superboy Prime in any crisis. It's now a new written rule. Oh, gosh. <laughs> now you're probably yeah. going to have to deal with the Batman who laughs, too. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, I... <laughs> There were some good points of this, but yeah, I just, I really found it a frustrating read. And, and there were several times I was, I just kind of had to stop reading and walk away from it uh, because it just got too much. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm giving it a six overall. And that's, that's for the, the main seven parter and all the times. I, I didn't, uh, I, I was reading Just League beforehand, but I didn't delve into any of the prelude stuff like you guys did. And thank God that you did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a seven for writing, and because uh, I think it is actually well written, but I think I think the plotting of it is 
probably weaker than the writing of it, if, if that makes sense. Because there's a lot of stuff that happens and you're not sure quite why. Like, like um, the Robin King coming out of nowhere and being, hey, I'm the ultimate, you know, I, I, I can kill you character. And I know everything about your history so I know that this is the your weakness and I've got I've gone and killed that god and got that in my pouch ready to kill you and it's like what you know is it, when has this kid had the time the magic pouch yeah when's he had time <laughs> to do all that and it was it's like you know hey it's your new favourite evil character and I remember him being pushed where people were going oh wow it's the first appearance of the Robin King I better go and buy that because he's going to be the new hotness <laughs> and uh, oh god <laughs> yeah so there, there was a lot of you know this happens just because like uh, you know Dark Side won um, Final Crisis and as far as I can tell that gave him tusks and I don't know why <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he holding like a baby or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was a baby. Or that something. was just bizarre. Why is he holding yeah. a baby? I can't even remember. Hmm. One god and a baby. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that's the thing. That, there's so much that went on in this. You're right, Laura. And there was like, oh, didn't that happen? And I was like, um, I think so. There was just so much to try and recall. And I only finished reading it all yesterday. And it's like, oh, yeah, that thing happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And Perpetua, her being taken out by um, the one who laughs was really strange because, I mean, as far as I knew, her thing was that, you know, evil should win and everyone who's evil will be, you know, a winner now. And, yeah, I still don't know how she lost, really, but anyway. And crisis energy, and then people start talking about anti-crisis energy, and I go, what? What are these things? So I I felt like there were so many concepts coming at you and none of it was really... um, defined particularly logically and like at the end where they go but you know uh, this multiverse is no longer the centre of the multiverse and there's two centres of the multiverse and you go what does that mean? I don't know well it's like having a binary star (laughs) they they revolve around each other so we got one pole you should be able to get the other one but in practical terms logic science where are you know Paul you just don't know these things we're so used to comic book science Laurel when you bring real science in it confuses us it's like someone saying these are exactly the same but this one is more exactly the same than that one and you go what (laughs) it's extreme dude (laughs) so I liked the writing. I thought the plotting was, you know, really well done and the flow from issues to issue was really good. Um, like, there was one point where I was going, well, how did all this start? And then you get the um, that special that basically showed you how it started. And you go, oh, good, that came just at the right time because I was going... Oh, thank God for that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, unlike a lot of events, I think a lot of the writing in this needs to be read. Like, um and I thought DC Universe Infinite did a great job of telling you this is what you should read next in order and that we know was a great way to flow through the Mm -hmm. story Um, yeah yeah, so I'm going to give it all a 7 now Laura what about you I gave it overall an 8 I think I might have given the main series a 7 because I think some of the better beats were in those one shots Mm -hmm. Um, the characters were definitely on model I think throughout the whole thing they they just they rang true the the characters that were you know our normal heroes, uh, new people can do whatever I figured they're made up for this thing. Um, it had the nice grand epic feel. Paul, I agree with you. I think it was well organized. 
I do think that some of the stuff, like the flashes in the Green Lanterns, that whole sequence of how they were doing that, maybe we should have edited down the main event a little bit and put it in there, at least some, and said, you know, I miss editor boxes, where they say, you know, for more information, go see this. (laughs) Yes. That would have been handy. So I think maybe a little bit more intercutting in the actual story, and then we go out and branch out. I think some of the menace was brought better in the one shots than in the main one, simply because, like I said earlier, he kept uh, Snyder kept interrupting himself with with the jokes. Um, But, man, some of those specials were really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. I I just it was such a big, epic feel. I I just that kind of thing just drew me in for some reason. I I know y'all were struggling with it a little bit more than I was. Like I said earlier, too, I think it gets repetitive over time. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time they said the word hope, I'd be a millionaire. I got really (laughs) tired fast. I thought y'all need a thesaurus and find out what the alternate words are. So, yeah, that that kind of thing does beat you over the head a little bit, reading it condensed like this. But uh, overall, I was into it. I enjoyed the one shots. I enjoyed the story for the most part. There was a little bit too much. Um, Jaro was in this, which I like Jaro, but they, they leaned on it a little too hard, that kind of thing. Um, I like Sergeant Rock being the intro character where he was doing a blurb to sort of catch you up a little bit. Keep us all, all organized. It was icky, though. You could see, like, the spine or the yeah. ribs or something. I'm like, okay, you know, this was good until he did that. Someone um, was carrying him upside down at one point by yeah. his, his rib cage or something, yeah, and he's still talking as he's going along. <laughs> <laughs> there were just big, weird things like that all over the place. But I I just feel, I feel like an eight really sums it up. I I managed to follow the, the main book as long as – um. You know, you followed in the order that it was given on the app. I think that made a big difference. So yeah. I'm giving it the eight. Yeah, sorry, I just want to add one thing. I, I don't, I've i been reading a lot of Jonah Hex lately, and uh, the way he was written, it was like someone wanted to write Dead Man, but they called him Jonah Hex. So I, as mm-hmm. He was too yeah. chatty. He was too, you know, asking questions and wanting to explain things, which is just not Jonah Hex to me. I've been reading uh, the Palmiotti Gray run where... Hex never says anything if he can get away with it, you know, and he always lets his guns do the talking as such. Yeah, uh, you're right. That was a weird <laughs> choice. Yeah. Anyway, but that doesn't affect the score. Okay, now I'm going to do art and covers, and I actually think the art in uh, Metal was better than uh, the Capullo art in this, which, you know, is a, a weird thing, but I, I want to compare him to himself, and I, I thought, you know, th- there were quite a few times where I thought... Um, Wonder Woman's face in particular was just, you know, a little bit wrong for the moment or, you know, there was something, you know, a bit archy about her face at times. Um, but, yeah, it, it's nitpicky, but uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling an eight on the art. Um, and the covers, I thought, were super similar <laughs> across most of the titles until, um, like, all the specials you try and picture the covers and it's just you know it's a whole bunch of characters with um some evil character in the center um just over and over again with uh, this one has a red tinge this one has a green tinge etc so yeah that that's how i kind of felt about the whole thing but that i mean you know maybe i'm a philistine when it comes to the art uh what did you think uh laurel the art well 
since I'm using the app, I don't have the variant covers, so it's a little bit hard to talk about the covers. Um, like you're saying, I think they were busy. I think that was part of the problem. They're just trying to throw too much on. When they focused on just one kind of image, like um, I wrote down number four, the shadow licking the frowning button. It was like, woo. Um, the final issue, number seven, with the, the Wonder Woman meeting her original self with the background and the symbol. And that was a really striking picture. So I think they needed to keep it a little more simple. That would have helped. I think that was also um, in with the the art. We were talking about Capullo's art. I think it got a little bit scratchy, a little bit busy. But they're trying to show as many characters as possible. Everybody has a favorite character, and we all want to see them. So it's hard to throw a lot of characters into the background. You know, that there's only so many people that can do that, and he was doing the best he could with it. I think that also tripped people up. You know, some of the one shots, if they could concentrate on just one character, it worked a lot better for that purpose. Um, the other thing I think that um, I, I'm giving these criticism, uh, the digital colors. I'm wondering if it was just too bright, like when the zombies were, were coming out of the ground. And I'm thinking, why is this so bright? And I don't know if that's because, again, I'm reading it digital or if it was like that in the originals. Some of the one shots, I think, were a little bit darker and it, it came off a little bit better for some reason. I, maybe that's just me, but. I think we needed to do a little bit different tones to give it that intimidation that we're supposed to be feeling. But I like Greg Capullo. I think he did. I always notice he does these little noses. So he does this. I always know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a weird thing to notice, but it's obvious to me. Uh, you so, can always peek a Greg Capullo nose. <laughs> oh, Paul, come on. You're lowering the tone. Yeah. Come on, Paul. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Despite all these criticisms, like I'm saying, I like the imagination. I love the outfits. I like the new geographies that they were trying to make all the different ones feel different. Um, I think he fielded a lot of ideas that were some were goofy. Yes, but he ran with it and did the best he could with it. I think all of them did that. And the emotional punches that were coming. Yes. OK, there were a lot of them. But it to me, it worked because they just kept coming and I kept thinking, OK, yay, this time. And no, bam, it hits you right in the face that nope, 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 not this one. So I, I came up with a nine overall. I really enjoyed it. Wow. Mm-hmm. And Mike, Mikey, Mikey, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to give the art and covers an eight. I thought overall, um, yeah, there was nothing. I, I can't recall anything really leaping out and grabbing my attention other than maybe that Robin King issue for some reason. Riley Rossmo's art in that is, is like one of my favorite things in that. But yeah, overall, I I think yeah, I, I really enjoyed Greg Capullo's work in this, um, and I, I usually do enjoy his his art style. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was fairly solid over, across the entire event. Um, there was nothing that really detracted from the overall, and and yeah kind of going with that whole extreme metal type vibe across this whole, you know, crazy interdimensional, intergalactic, whatever we want to call it, war. Um, I, I thought, yeah, there's some of the, as you said, Laurel, you know, going with the wacky designs, that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, even though, you know, oh, umpteenth Batman version number, you know, <laughs> 300, <laughs> whichever, um, it was cool to see, like, you'd, you'd look at it and even just the mention of their name, you'd go, oh, okay, that Batman is derived from this thing. Um, that was kind of cool. So, yeah, I, there was nothing that um, uh, I felt really... Uh, that, 
was bad in terms of the art, so I'm giving it an 8 across the whole event. Yeah. Hey, now we move on to the impact and legacy. So, uh, Laurel, have you been tracing what you think it did uh, coming out of it? Well, like I said earlier, I don't think it had... It, it's such a setup, so I'm giving it a 7, honestly, because I feel like this is setting up a future, yes, um, but it's really the next thing that builds the new continuity. This sort of just tosses everything up in the air and it waits for the next event to put it together and start moving it forward. So that's why I, I'm sticking at it at seven. Mm, yeah, excellent. Uh, Mike? Yeah, I, I'm with Laurel. It, it's kind of just the setup for the next big thing, but it's also, uh, to me, uh, if we're looking at what type of event this is, this to me just seemed like Snyder's swan song. So kind of like a big vanity project where he wanted to be hardcore and I know I keep saying it, extreme metal um, and make everything badass. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so so overall. I'm, was there I'm, enough Lobo in this for you? Oh, there was too much Lobo. I like Lobo, <laughs> but there was too much Lobo. <laughs> he had a whole issue about looking for the death metal and he fought the Batman who frags. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> Cue another eye roll from me. Uh, and yeah, I, I genuinely do like Lobo every now and then when you've got, that much Lobo, and like a whole army of Lobos helping Diana out. I'm like, oh, no. And then they all just got fragged anyway. Sorry, I'm getting distracted here. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm i giving it a six for Impact and Legacy because, yeah, it, it was huge and it, um, you know, was like on the shelves for six months nonstop. Um, and, but, but, yeah, it's I've enjoyed what's come after it more, which, yeah, this was kind of the setup for the, the future state and the infinite frontier era. So uh, a six from me. Mm, yeah, I I think this is a an event that sort of ends an era, and what comes out out of it is basically whatever they wanted to do. So it wasn't a direct uh, launch. I mean, the very last issue is very very obviously this bit was written because this is what we're doing next. Um, so there were bits squeezed yeah. in there, but it, it wasn't an organic process. I mean, I, th- I think I think there's been a few events now where people are trying to get to the point where everything counts and matters in the DC universe, and that was, you know, something that people were trying to achieve anyway. And uh, peeking ahead, Joshua Williamson's doing that again, and probably doing it the best I've seen it done so far, um, as far as mm-hmm. you know taking concepts like hypertime and things like that and realizing them so that you know people have a history and everything is kind of open to uh, i guess you know being logically drawn from or you know previously existed and different versions of the characters have existed and it matters and things like that so but yeah i feel like this one is sort of ending an era um and as such uh, i think the legacy impact of it i'm going to give it down to a five in this case so yeah so uh having added up all the scores and done a bit of thinking and calculating and taking my socks off and things like that um (laughs) Laurel, you gave a total of 32. Mike, you gave it 28. And I gave it also 28. Mike, we halve your 28 to 14, using the power of maths. Mm-hmm. And if we mm-hmm. add up those scores that are left, we get a 74 out of 100, which is very decent, very respectable. And I'm just going to look on the ladder where that falls. And looks like it is equal 13th equal 13th so 74 same as Underworld Unleashed so uh, it's uh, 
in the very respectable end of the list. Uh, so look at that. Mm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I would say overall uh, we liked it. Worth reading. I think everything over fifty-five is pretty good. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, well, it's it's a it's a weird measure because sometimes you might hate the writing, but it's incredibly importantly as far as you know what it did. Um, so. But, you know, there are obviously things that are inferior. Go look at the bottom of the list and you'll see them. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Where did Dark Knight's Metal land? The Dark Knight's... The, the original Dark Knight's Metal. Uh, that is seventh, equal seventh on the list. So um, a few higher. So I think, uh, uh, yeah, a tighter story um, overall and, yeah, uh, a little easier to uh, grab and enjoy, I think. So. Mm. Mm. But go listen to that app because I can't remember it now because you know, <laughs> a long time ago. Anyway, um, now uh, what am I talking about with this list? It's on waitingfordoom.com, which is uh, coincidentally our website. So we have, if you click on DCOCD podcast at the top, you can see uh, the event ladder there with uh, all the events in order, or you can look at them in the show order that they came out. But uh, there's also the ranking order, and where you see every every name on the list, it's it's got a little underline. That means you can click and go to the the link for the show and listen to it right there on the website. So, yes, I recommend that you do that if you want to do it. I don't recommend that you do it if you don't want to. Um. <laughs> That's convenient. That's so hmm. wise. <laughs> yeah. So fantastic. Seventy-four. But well done. Well done. Death metal. Uh, Dark Knight's death metal, as we call it. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I think we'll we'll let some feedback build up at this point, but we've had a big long break, so this is we're coming back, and uh, there'll be more events coming. So, uh, Laura, what are you working on as far as podcasts? So we we played your promo earlier, but what el- what else have you got going? Well, I am on the Right On Network. That's W-R-I-G-H-T, Right On Network. We have um, I am on Birds of Prey, Feathers and Foes. That is our podcast on that the Huntress podcast, and then some other ones on the network, the Outcasters of Batman and the Outcasters. We've got a Cassandra Kane Batgirl podcast. They're doing that Batgirls comic right now. They've got the Manhattan Project that Ashford does about Friends and Seinfeld episodes. There's a Doctor Who straight out of Gallifrey podcast. So there's a lot going on over there that people can check out. All highly recommended by me. And Mike, what have you got going on? Well, not a great deal at the moment, but I think that we are due for another Waiting for Doom very soon, where we will be talking about the next issue of World's Finest Batman Superman, otherwise known as Bizwiff. <laughs> Batman Superman World's Finest, sorry, Bizwiff. God, I can never get that right. <laughs> but the one that's featuring Doom Patrol currently. Yeah. Um, so look forward to that. Yeah, that, that can be found at uh, waitingfordoom.com. Um where you're also possibly listening to this show. Possibly. So, yay. More yeah. Doom Patrol. Also, I just quick shout-out. I always look for Doom Patrol appearing anywhere in an event. I was so happy to see a version of them in Dark Knight <laughs> Death Metal as the Gloom Patrol from the emo Earth, um, <laughs> where they're all sitting around looking unhappy in a graveyard. I was like, finally, the Patrol are getting some respect, even though it's a different version. That was very cool. <laughs> anyway. So next time on DCOCD, we're going to be looking at uh, the Doomsday Clock. Um, so I'm tempted to look at it like we'll start looking at the first half and then we'll wait several months and look at the last bit. Uh, but <laughs> no, we'll do it all in one, do it all in one episode, I think. Yeah. Such snark. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can send us uh, messages on Twitter at 
DCOCDcast. You can send us emails at DCOCDcast dcocdcast at gmail.com and of course there's uh, waitingfordoom.com which is our website which has everything that we do in one spot and you can leave comments there on show posts and things like that and we also put up a bit of art and stuff for most episodes so if you want to see a cover because if if you uh, can't see any of this and you want to see some of it then that's uh, another way to do it but uh, yeah basically you've just said you're not going to read it you're only going to listen to us which is a fair call. Yeah, I'm, I can I can live with that. Well done. Um, yeah, so thank you, everybody, and we'll be back uh, soon with another episode of DCUCD. So I've just got to get let the dogs in. Just hang on a sec. I thought he was talking about playing the music at first. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that's not how that song goes. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs>